Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Green Wave podcast presented by the Green Wave Sports Boosters, which started in 1974 to help provide financial support through fundraising to all Green Wave high school athletic programs. With the generous help of its members and local businesses, the Sports Boosters has helped our student-athletes succeed and strive that for excellence for over 47 years. Money raised goes directly back to our student-athletes, things like team overnights, team meals, weight room costs, uniforms, coaching technologies, equipment, and even great coaching tools that fortunately my company's been able to provide uh, to all of the sports programs throughout East Grand Forks, along with podcasts and things like this, where we are super honored to uh, bring in uh, uh, Coach Scott Oliver from the East Grand Forks Green Wave Varsity Boys Hockey Team. Scott, thanks for joining us. I know you had a busy morning this morning, and it's always uh, truly a pleasure to speak with you. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, I uh, I liked our I liked your intro in there with uh, Team Backer or the Boosters East Grand Forks Boosters, and uh, uh, they do an awful lot for uh, for uh, student athletes in East Grand Forks and uh, and all the activities that uh, they are involved with. You know, if you have great community support. And you have the uh, backing of the businesses that allow. I mean, I don't think people really know the budgets that go into what it takes to run these teams. And when you run a schedule like you do, it's not cheap in this day and age to go from East Grand Forks to Bemidji on a ride. It's going to cost you money uh, just to fill the tank. Well, does you know, and, and with our hockey program as an example. Uh, the boosters are, have been very supportive over the years, and and, uh, and and then we have our East Grand Forks Blue Line Club, which also uh, helps uh, fundraise and, and help out uh, uh, the game of hockey, not only for youth, but at the uh, high school level for the boys and girls program. And then I know that our head coach, Tyler Palmasino, um, you know, we do an awful lot with our own fundraising, uh, we do a golf outing uh, that that uh, raises money for the the program. We we uh, we have a raffle every year that we get involved with, and uh, and it's you know we were just uh, recently down in Mankato, Minnesota, for Hockey Day in Minnesota, and boy, I'll tell you what, you talk about community and business support and and. Uh, throughout East Grand Forks it was it was outstanding I think we had every one of our youth teams were scheduled down in in or around the Mankato area to play games uh, that weekend and uh, obviously coming to that outdoor game uh, working around that schedule so they could participate and and watch and and, and take in the event of that uh, hockey day in Minnesota and uh, you know, and and it does take a big commitment uh, from the community, businesses, and parents to uh, to get that type of support. So it was just a, an outstanding event to be a part of. But uh, the the support that went through our entire hockey program uh, was something really to, really impressed. I know impressed me and impressed our coaching staff. You know, it's, I was going to ask you about the whole Hockey Day Minnesota experience, and uh, that's great information uh, from just the overall support and the structure that goes into the program. And um, from the day itself, the one thing that 
fell upon me that I noticed. <laughs> you know, I always am intrigued from hockey day to hockey day what the venue is going to look like. What is the vibe going to be? And we've seen all different types of things, right, over the, the course of, of its life. But I have to say, that stadium and the setup looked really cool uh, from the outside looking in. What was it like to be in that setting, and, and, and how did it play to the game? Well, it was, it was you know, they, because of uh, COVID, uh, you know, we, they, they weren't able to host it last year was the year that they were supposed to host it. So really they've had uh, two years they've been building for this event. And, uh, you know, it was it was well thought through uh, using uh, all the different facilities they have in Mankato. And, and, and there's no question, I mean, getting to play outdoors and, and, uh, and we practiced once outdoors uh, heading into that game, and, and that was fun to do. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you've been around the game as long as I have and, and having grown up in Winnipeg, um, that's where you start your hockey. You start playing outdoors. Um, I, I remember as, as a kid growing up, we would go down and, and do all our open hockey there. But uh, when you were trying out for teams and making teams, your practices, your games, uh, you were fortunate they get inside the play in an indoor game, but you, you probably played two thirds of your time as a youth growing up in Winnipeg outdoors. Um, and, and that included everything. So, you know, it's, it's, it was quite an event. Uh, Mankato did a great job of hosting it. Um, it was a once it's the second opportunity I've had to coach in one. Um, I was the head coach up in Roseau, Minnesota in 2008 when they had the second hockey day in Minnesota in Baudette. The first year it was in Baudette. The second year it was in Baudette. And uh, I enjoyed them both. But if you were to see where this event's gone from 2008 to 2022 in Mankato, it's, uh, you've got a banquet. Uh, the game obviously was on TV back then. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's really become a community statewide even regional-wide event. It really becomes a great showcase for each community that's hosting. And, you know, you do you do raise a really great point where, you know, they did, they did have two years to prepare. Sometimes you look at what everybody's going through and you say, wow, do you really have enough time to make this happen? On the ice, I do have a question for you. During the game, did you hear anything from the players when they were coming to the bench where the boys like, uh, boy, this is different from an ice perspective? Or did they seem like this was just business as usual? And how did that whole dialogue go between you and them? You know, the ice is artificial now. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the things they have to have artificial ice. I didn't hear one complaint from one player about the cold, the ice, anything. I, I thought the conditions – Pete for the game uh, and Mankato were, were good as good as they could have been. And, uh, and so it was, uh, they, I just know that our players were, were, were engaged in, in competing and they really enjoyed it. Now in 2008, Pete, that was a different story. Yeah. That was one of the coldest uh, days I think they've had for hockey day in Minnesota. And, uh, and it was miserable. Uh, we were dealing with after the game, you know, you're dealing with, uh, you know, some frostbite situations. Uh, you had to change your whole game. You just couldn't play the game 
the way you were used to playing it, and that's where your question was headed. And uh, so in 2008, we had to really simplify the game when we played Blaine in Baudet mm-hmm. and advance the puck through the three zones and, and try to simplify the game and, and, and make it into a north-south game. And, and uh, you know, and it, and it ended up being a one-to-nothing game. We were fortunate enough to win it by scoring the only goal of the game in the third period. Uh, Jason Fabian, uh, who went on to play at the Air Force Academy, scored the, the, the only goal in the game-winning goal. And I was so thankful when that game did not go into overtime. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to get that game done and get our team in the bus. The warmest place was actually in our bus ride over and the bus ride back. Uh, that's just how cold and frigid things were then. And and just this compare the facilities and, and the work and the effort that goes into uh, Hockey Day in Minnesota now um, and how it's grown has, has been very, very impressive. And you can see it from a consumer's perspective, uh, viewing it on TV or if you're a fan at the uh, venues. And what's nice is from um, venue to venue, city to city, people have been able to share their experiences and probably say, hey, this worked, this didn't work, try this, we did that, that wasn't, you know, I think that's a lot of what we've seen. Now let's turn our attention toward uh, the season, came up with a big win over Bemidji. Uh, You've won now three in a row. You look ahead to the calendar, and man, there's two and a half weeks left, and here we go uh, into the sections uh, we play. Uh, how are you feeling about the way the kids are performing right now? Well, again, that's that's a great insight on your part because, um, you know, really what it comes down to, we, we first of all, we play a very rigorous schedule. Yes. Uh, you look at our schedule and our opponents, you've got, you know, uh, Hermantown, Morrow, Roseau, Moorhead, uh, not to mention the Delanos and and, uh, and Matamidis and all the teams that are on our schedule. And, uh, you know, we're heading into a game against Red River. I always say one of the best parts of being in Greater Grand Forks is the Gambucci Cup we play for with Grand Forks Central, Red River, and East Grand Forks. They're, you play each team twice, and they're like built-in playoff hockey games. So everything you're doing during this season is to prepare yourself to win three games um, during sections. That's it. Uh, you know, your record um, is going to help you in the seeding process, but really you're preparing yourself to win three games. I like uh, I like the track we're currently on with how we're playing. Uh, we've made some changes in our lineup and we've moved some players around, and and I think that's helped. Our goaltending has 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 stepped up. Our we're getting uh, we're getting good play out of all three forward lines now, and uh, and we moved a player from that had been playing at forward had never played defense before, but we moved him back uh, just prior to heading into hockey day in Minnesota, and uh, and boy uh, he's made a really nice difference and and certainly has improved our play on the blue line with what we're doing in our own end and 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 offensively and things like that from uh, the defenseman position so i like i like the track we're on Uh, we're going to find out this this week we've got red river uh thursday night here tonight we've got uh, we host roseau uh tomorrow night and those are our uh 
two of the top teams, uh, Roseau in the state for AA, and uh, Red River is the top team in the state for North Dakota. You know, and going back to your your comment about uh, moving the player back to the blue line, isn't it fascinating over the years, I'm sure you can look out through your vast career, where it may be a player or two moved, tweaked, moved positions, where it can have such a grand impact on how the team moves forward. And, and it can impact a whole unit of defensemen or it gives another person an opportunity that takes that forward spot, which creates another dynamic. And it, it's it's interesting because it might have been something you guys were thinking about earlier in the year and, and, and saying, ah, maybe not just yet. Let's let this play out. Take me through the process of, of how you guys, not specific to this, but how do you kind of overview this? Who makes those decisions and what do those conversations sound like? Well, Ultimately, the, the the final decision and and, and uh, belongs to the head coach, but we're always discussing our personnel after every game, even after practices, with our our personnel where we're at, how they're performing, um, and ultimately you want to try to get your best lineup uh, on the ice that's going to give your team the best opportunity to win games and be successful and so you know uh, I'll give you another example um, you know representing uh, you know and playing on the Olympic team over in China right now as Aaron Ness out of Rosa when I was fortunate enough to have coached Aaron uh, he ended up uh, we ended up winning a state championship in, in 2007 and uh, he was Mr. Hockey in 2008 and he'll be playing for the Olympic team he was a defenseman um, your defensemen are going to get on the ice more. Uh, they get to see the entire ice. They really, a really good defenseman can control the game and, and, and control what's happening around them. And, and so in order to be successful in hockey, really it starts with your goaltending. And then your next most important position are, are your defensemen because they're the ones that are going to get the puck out of your end. They're the ones that are going to get the puck up ice, transition the puck up ice in our transition game and so that we can play hockey in the other team's end. And and your forwards are, are, are important also, but you there's more moving parts there. Correct. You can move and, and switch the lines and see what type of chemistry is going to work best. So a lot of this gets done in our coaches' room as we're evaluating practice, as we're evaluating games, and then making decisions that, again, are going to put your team and put the players in the right position to give your team the most success or get most opportunity for success to win a game. You have a, a really incredible youth program. I look back to last year's state championship Bantam A team. I was fortunate enough to be on the call for their uh, quarterfinal round game. Maybe I did the semi. I can't remember. No, I think I did. What? Maybe I did the final two. The 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 team themselves impressed me so much with how they played and how they approached the game. They played hockey. Uh, it wasn't showcase individualistic. Look at me. Look at me stuff. And I couldn't help but say, man, I can't wait to see what this group looks like at the high school level. Then I look again now, you've got a Bantam A team that, you know, on rankings for whatever they're worth, are a top team again. So you have tons of talent coming up from the youth program. You have Jackson Panzer, who's a junior. This this whole group could be really dynamic over the next year or two. Can you talk about that group of players 
and how it seems as though the youth program works in sync with the high school program. And when you when you take an example off the ice with what your Hockey Day Minnesota reference was, and then on the ice. Obviously, we know about the off the ice, but how about on the ice? Do you guys have a lot to do with that development? Well, I'll tell you what we have in East Grand Forks, and you're spot on. Our, our Bantam team is currently ranked one. Our Pee Wee team is currently ranked one. Our squirt program and our youth program all the way down has good numbers and, and good coaches, and, and, and we're developing. And the key word is developing. We're developing skills at a younger age that are going to help these players to be successful. Okay, um, we are fortunate because you have, you have your high school boys and girls hockey coach. You have the city right? And then you have your Blue Line Club. And all three entities work very, very well and very closely together to, uh, to developing and, and making sure that, that uh, we're all on the same page with everything we're doing. But the key to your hockey programs at the high school really is your feeder program coming up in youth hockey with everything that's happening. Um, you know, we run a summer uh, hockey camp uh, the East Grand Forks Blue Lung Club summer hockey camp that has run for 30, I'm guessing we're going on 35 years now. And, uh, and, and, and that's always in the month of, uh, of June. And, and then you have other things that are happening in our youth program with, with skill development that, that has been very good. And, and, and again, you have to get good coaches and good people involved. And a lot of times it's volunteer people that, that get involved at, at the youth level. So we're so fortunate to have the three big entities working together to, uh, to help uh, develop players in our program, which will make your high school teams, both for the boys and girls, successful or give them an opportunity to be successful. You know, my uh, primary company, I'm on Hockey TV, has these cameras all over the state of Minnesota. So I have the luxury when I'm not announcing games to kind of drop in and just see how things are going because I'm checking cameras. But I'm also looking at how things go. And the one thing that I can attribute to and, and, and make a comment on what I see from East Grand Forks, from youth, from working with the city, all the way up to high school, there's no ego and when you put those types of, you know, sometimes when you have arenas, city-run venues, youth associations, high schools, everybody's kind of like, you know, jostling for credit. And they want to be the ones. It seems as though out of all the communities that I deal with, East Grand Forks does that as well as or better than anybody. Everybody checking it at the door and putting the kids first and their development in the program. It's impressive to see. You know, and I'll even take it a step further and say Greater Grand Forks. You know, hockey in Greater Grand Forks has always been really, really strong and always will be good and strong. I think last weekend, my son, um, uh, Nick, Nick Oliver is the assistant men's hockey coach at St. Cloud State University, and they were in town last weekend to uh, play North Dakota. Um you had uh, Saltquist, Mason Saltquist, who's on St. Cloud. I think that UND has at least three uh, players from the Grand Forks area. Uh, there's four or five players just from greater Grand Forks playing in that Division One hockey series last weekend. Wow. And so that's pretty impressive. Those are players out of Grand Forks Central, Red River, 
right? We currently don't have anyone from New Scram Forks on either one of those teams, but we have had in the past with Dixon Bowen and the Poolmans and and uh, those type of players. So, you know, it's it's good hockey in Greater Grand Forks, and I think that uh, that that bodes well not only in our in our immediate area, but in the region, which takes in Minnesota, North Dakota, right with everything that's happening. As a successful longtime head coach that you've been over the years with the vast experience, now you're an assistant coach. Can you talk about your relationship with Tyler and how the two of you work together? Well, probably other than my wife, he understands me the uh-huh. best. <laughs> That's great. And, you know, you you have to, having been a head coach for all these years, I know the value of an assistant coach. I know the, the role of an assistant coach and, and how that spot or that position as an assistant coach plays into working with a head coach towards uh, making things the best they can be. And, and uh, you know, um, Tyler's someone that's been born and raised in East Grand Forks. His dad was a longtime head coach in East Grand Forks. Uh, Tyler loves the community. He loves hockey. He's very passionate about it. And he puts in a ton of time into, uh, into our hockey program. And, uh, and, uh, I just, uh, I just think that, uh, really, uh, primary force behind, uh, the success we've had over the last, uh, you know, nine, 10 years. Work ethic. I mean, you can't, you can't teach it. You do it, right? And yeah. that makes everybody better. The teacher-coach scenario is a dying breed, let's say, in high school sports, especially hockey. I, I know you've probably observed it. Do you think it matters? Does it not matter? Where does it fit in your book? Um, I think, I think you know, it, it, it does matter. Um, you know, really, I look forward to – myself personally, I look forward to practice every day. I look forward to that part of the game where you're teaching the game and working on things that you need to work on. And at this time of the year, it becomes even more specific depending on who your opponent is coming up. And so, um, you know, you're always a teacher and, and ultimately coaching and, uh, and, uh, you know, I've had the fortune when I was up, uh, the, the, you know, the, just a great situation when I was up in Roseville for seven years, I was an elementary fiat teacher. And so uh, K through third grade. So every one of the students that came through my fiat class, um, you know, uh, were player or were student athletes that I knew and worked with. Uh, I just got done teaching. I just retired last June from teaching fiat at the senior high in East Grand Forks. And again, you have that relationship with the students every day but you also have the relationships with them as student athletes. So I think the the relationship between good coaching and, and good teaching is very, very similar, right? Yep. Uh, they're, they're the same. And your preparation and your organization and and what you're going to work on and, and developing relationships, really it's whether you're a teacher or coach, you're developing relationships. And uh, the more relationships you can develop and the better those relationships become, the more success that student-athlete will have. Well, and I've always suggested 
that the schedules work. I mean, that's why people would go to school to become a teacher is because they wanted to coach a sport or sports. If I were a hockey player, because you see a lot of hockey guys, your son's blessed that he could uh, be coaching at the collegiate level. I mean, he's fast-tracking that big time. Good for him at the alma mater. Uh, But there's many guys that you've seen, I'm sure, that have even played for you that get done with college. They get a degree of some sort, but they want to be in hockey. But there aren't a lot of lucrative hockey jobs, let's say. Why not go to school? get a degree in teaching. I think you'd be very attractive to a lot of these ADs out there. If you're a hockey player and you're going to St. Cloud State or University of Minnesota, North Dakota, wherever you go, you pick up a degree in education, you could get a teaching job. I would I bet you'd be hired in a second if you if you could coach. Well, and 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 again you're right my my wife has been a long-time elementary principal and uh our son went into business management, business finance, and and uh, when he graduated and, and said that he wanted to go to coaching route, I I, I was hoping you were going to make me some money yeah, and, and take our yeah, take sure? our, our nest egg and uh, do something with it. But you know, it, it, you if you're going to go into education, uh, get involved in activities and be involved in activities. Because my my wife always says if she's going to hire someone, she's looking for someone that that also is going to be involved in other things. Number one, they're hiring them as a teacher, but they also want them to be involved in other activities because that plays a big part in every community, uh, especially it doesn't matter if it's in the metro area, but especially in, in out-of-state areas and in northern Minnesota where we live, getting involved, right? Yep. Uh football, coaching, hockey, uh, getting involved with, uh, you know, uh, speech, getting involved with, uh, with different activities that, that are involved in every school district, and it's going to make you more marketable. So uh, there's no question that going into education and then getting involved as, whether it's coaching or supervising activities, but being involved is, is going to help your opportunity to get employed. There you go. For those of you players that are listening, spoken by a person who's lived it and is living it. So consider it. Uh, What advice would you give? I mean, obviously you're uh, deeply engaged in the Upper Midwest High School Elite League and you have been for a long time. You've seen some high-end players. You've had a son go on and play at the next levels. What advice would you give players across the land as far as the steps to do what you can control and what you can't control? Well, I, I think, you know, number one is that uh, you got to put a lot of time in, right? And, right. Uh, and, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm a real advocate for, for multi-sport athletes, and we're going to talk student-athletes right now, and, and being involved in, in a lot of different sports, I think it helps your development and helps your growth dealing with different coaches and different sports and different things. But you do have to put a lot of, a lot of time into it. But... Uh, uh, make no doubt about it, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't put that time in and then you've got to also remember that that if you're going to play Division One hockey, and we'll use that just an example, but in, in the high school elite league, the Midwest Elite League, not all of our players that are chosen to play in that league from northwestern Minnesota are going to go on to be Division One hockey players. 
but they are going to play some will get the opportunity to play division one and some will get the opportunity to play division three hockey. Like there's the, and you know, and yet you're still getting your college education at the same time, but the percentage of those that are going to move on and play professional hockey, uh, isn't, there's not as many that are going to have that opportunity, but in the process of staying in the, in the college setting and, whether it's Division Three, whether it's club hockey, whether it's Division One, you're going to get an education. And when it's all said and done, you'll have that education and that career to fall back on. And like you say, if you truly love the game and you're passionate about it, you can always get involved with whatever degree you end up getting. That is a, such an important thing. And there's another component that I think is missed or not understood and it's the club hockey opportunity. If you love the game and you you're going and you're not playing at the division 1 or 3 level or you're a pretty good player but you know you know what you want to do and you know it's going to end at some point and and you just don't want to skip the junior route and, and go somewhere else. Club hockey is not intramural hockey. I had a chance to watch University of Mary in the division 2 level play a few times in Bismarck. And I'll tell you <laughs> That was really good hockey, and those kids all – a lot of them played junior. They just didn't get yeah. Division three. The goaltender was from Minnesota State Mankato. He was 8-3-1 and one in his 11 games his freshman year, but said, nah, I'm just not going to do the grind. But there are tons of opportunities for these players that can play in colleges, and you're flying around the country playing in some pretty packed houses. It looks pretty fun to me. I don't know if anybody even really talks about that very much, at least around our circles in Minnesota hockey. Well, and, and again, there's there's a place for everyone. And, and uh, I always tell players that, uh, you know, find the degree that you want. And, and then once you know what degree you want to go into, find the college that best fits that. And if you can find one that has hockey opportunity for you, whether it's club hockey or Division three. Why not do it and and and, uh, and get your education, get your degree, and then still have an opportunity to play competitive uh, competitive hockey? So, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate because, uh, you know, just as of uh, last night, I was visiting with my son, and and he's bouncing names off me from uh, uh, from players that play, uh, you know, in northwestern Minnesota and play in the elite league and. And I always give him a hard time. I said, he just got back before Christmas. I think he was over in Finland for 10 days recruiting in Finland. And I said, you know, we've got to go over to Finland to find players that can play for you at St. Cloud State University <laughs> or any of these places. I said, they're a lot closer than you realize. He says, Dad, he says, there's a lot of good hockey players out there, and it's a big hockey world, believe it or not. And uh, But I'm a little partial to our players, you know, from Minnesota, North Dakota, from this area, from this region, because I know what you're getting. You're getting good character. You're getting good work ethic. You're getting players that have been very well coached, and, and it's conducive to going on and doing things past high school hockey through juniors and uh, hopefully into college hockey. Great stuff there. This is the question I mentioned to you before we started this podcast that I've uh, been waiting for to ask you, and I can't wait to hear your answer. With your vast knowledge and experience in high school hockey coaching and teaching, if you could change one thing, well, maybe let's make it two, within the Minnesota State High School League hockey rules, culture, whatever it may be, what would those two items be? 
I, well, that's a, that's a gift. That's, that's yeah. a whole new podcast, right? <laughs> okay. I'm going to do my best answer. Off the top of my head right now, I would say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a rural. When I first started coaching, um, and, and not uh, high school hockey, but when I went to college at Moorhead State back in 1979, I was uh, there and, and, and played football at Moorhead State University, but had a hockey background. And I was fortunate enough to get on board with Terry Shercliffe at the time, a longtime head hockey coach at Moorhead High, uh, just a great teacher, a great coach. And, and, I, and he hired me on to be his JV coach for a couple of years while I was in college. And back in those days, it was one class. It was a one-class system. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, our Section 8, you know, you had Moorhead, Roseau, Warrell, Bemidji, East Grand Forks. Um, I mean, it, Thief River Falls, you had just. Uh, a plethora of, of really strong programs, right? And and I and I really liked when I went up to Roseau to take the job. We were class double A. Yep. And uh, and I loved being in that class and and playing against the big schools and 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 the schools that had this big enrollment and 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 we were fortunate during my my tenure there. I think we went to the state tournament four years in a row. And winning it one year, and in 2007, and then yet I've been able to experience it now, uh, the A level with East Grand Forks, and I'll tell you what I think it's been a great experience at that level for the players to experience because it's good hockey. Like you get a Hermantown or you get East Grand Forks when we won those back the back state titles in 14 and 15, 2000, 14 and 15, and we could have played with anyone. And, and the Hermantowns and the Worlds this year that are ranked right up to the top, they can play with anyone in the state. So, you know, I'd like to see one class, but at the same time I see the benefits of both. So I'm kind of sitting on the fence with that Minnesota State High School League in regards to the hockey end of it. I would like to see some more games. Um, that's one thing I would like to see uh, because what happens sometimes is we lose our better players – to go to juniors because they get sold on the fact you're going to play more games and, and, and get more games. And I'm a believer that, that the practice is as important as the games, but I'd like to see a few more games, increase that number up to maybe 30 games a year. And maybe, cause that's what that that Midwest high school elite league does. It keeps our better players and gives them another 25 games in the fall so that they stay home and play, and represent their communities and play high school hockey. And maybe we wouldn't lose quite as many players early to leaving. So those would be two things that I would, uh, I would definitely uh, like to see changed or, or looked at, or at least uh, thought about. You know, one of the things that I've heard along the ways has been, okay, there's the 17 minute periods, right? Well, why can't we just bump it to 20? Well, then they have the basketball, uh, side of things to worry about too as well they play 30 or 31 games but they're going to argue that their minutes are less that's what you hear right so okay fine yeah. keep it at 17 but you know the make their games longer 
and uh, get us our thirty thirty one as they have as well. And then when you when you start getting into state tournament runs, that's now thirty six games uh, for some teams. One thing that I, I quote from Tyler on a lot of my broadcasts are I brought up the question of Hermantown and the, and the pressure they have to to move up from around the state. I mean, almost around the globe for those that follow high school hockey in Minnesota. But he said, I don't want them to. We need good teams. I thought, wow, that was really, uh, that was a, a fascinating comment from a coach that's in the middle of it that thinks the better the teams. And think about this. From the years you were there, and I've brought this up a few times, the lower bowl on semifinal Friday would have a good representation, right? Now it's packed. The club level is packed. The suites are full, and they're opening up the upper level. And even for championship games. I think, too, over the past 25 years that I've been, well, 20, 20, 25 years at the Civic Center and then the XL Energy Center covering state tournaments, I can't believe the growth of the single-A tournament and, and the interest that people have in it. And, it. and it plays to the fact that there are good players and good teams all across, no matter what level. No question. No question. And I would also... In the high school elite league that we do in the fall, we play 20-minute periods uh, because that's what your junior coaches are there to watch, your college coaches are there to watch, your NHL scouts are there to watch, right? And and they want to see them, uh, you know, obviously playing more minutes and 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 uh, extending that time. And I think sometimes we we always worry about. Okay, if we do this in hockey, we got to do this in basketball. If we do this in football, we got to do it in soccer. How about looking at just the individual sport and what's best for that sport, and and not worry about right. Sometimes uh, uh, the Title IX becomes an, an issue that always has to be looked at. But what's best for the student athletes in those prospective sports? Well, we're not talking about radical add 25 games and get them to 50 numbers here. I yeah. think, you know, and when you, when you mentioned the 20 minute periods, that's what six to eight shifts uh, a game when you really think about it, uh, which matters. That's a lot of shifts for, for some of the, from the players that need to be seen by, by the yeah. scouts and coaches. I've got one more question for you, Scott. If you were to give a word of advice to East Grand Forks families, specifically hockey families, but this could pertain to all sports, what would it be? I would tell them, I would tell the families to um, have fun, support your sons, support your daughters with their hockey and their and their academics and their athletics, and but everyone has a role and, 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 Support the coaches. The coaches need to coach. Players need to play. Parents need to parent. And I think when if everyone and we're pretty fortunate in our community, um, where uh, I feel that uh, that we do have a good working relationship, like that currently right now. Um, leave the coaching to the coaches. Uh, the players got to be players, and it needs to be fun for them. And parents, you have a job to do too, as far as supporting your sons, just supporting your daughter, you know, your daughters in the game of hockey and parenting. But uh, don't cross that line to being a coach. Boy, that's and, 
that's tough for some, right? But it sounds like it's pretty good there. Well, it is good in East Grand Forks. And again, I, I give credit to our, our city. I give credit to our athletic director. I give credit to our head coaches. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember when I was uh, first moved up the Roseau <clears throat> and our son Nick was playing PWA hockey for the legendary who, who uh, uh, you know, has since passed away, Dick Johnson. And, and just a wonderful coach legend as a, of, a, of a hockey guy and just and I remember my son coming to me and saying dad you know he wants me to do this and and, and stay in my lane and never leave my lane and and he wants me to uh and and and, and you always told me to support the puck and get over there and I said Nick I said uh, who's coaching you right now he says well Mr. Johnson is I said he's your coach listen to him isn't that what it comes down to, though, Scott? Well, that's what it comes down to. I mean, we can have different we can we can have different ways of doing it, and 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 thinking the game. But uh, for Dick Johnson, he's the head coach. This is what he wanted, and he's your coach. So you better listen to him. You better get on the same page he's on, and uh, you know, and uh, you'll be fine, right? Absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree with that more. And uh, I think it's just uh, it's it's healthy, and it, it comes down to trust as a parent. And and I think that's what if they trust the process and what's going on and who's in charge. I think it takes you a long way to helping kids get better. But that's not easy to obtain these days in this day and age. And I think just from my eyes. My lens, you guys are doing a great job of that across the board from the youth to the high school levels in all sports. And, and it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you guys. Well, that's good to hear. And, and again, I've been, I've been very fortunate in my coaching to have worked with uh, some good staffs in some good communities and, 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 and ultimately winning state cha- state titles, whether it's been in East Grand Forks, Rose Glenn and Felton, where I first was hired as a, as a teacher and a coach after, uh, after finishing up and coming back from up in Canada, having played, uh, having a cup of coffee up in the CFL and, 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 and all those places where we've won state titles, trust me, uh, the, it, it never works if, if, the, if, if the parents and the coaches and the players don't understand their roles. It does matter. Wow, good stuff with you as always. I mean, I could do this for hours. You and I should uh, barnstorm the state and uh, solve all of the uh, problems and prop up the good stuff. <laughs> Just kidding, but I do really enjoy uh, speaking with you, and um, you're such a treasure to the game and to the community. And uh, everybody from the East Grand Forks Green Wave community to the Upper Midwest High School Elite League are certainly uh, blessed and fortunate that you're a part of it. And uh, those words are truly heartfelt and meant uh, from this observer. So thanks to everything that you contribute to the games and to the kids and the perspective that you bring, uh, they're very lucky to have you. So uh, this has been a podcast from the Green Wave Podcast, Scott, that I've been really looking forward to. So thanks for joining us here today. Absolutely. I enjoyed it also. That's Scott Oliver. I'm Pete Wagner. This was the East Grand Forks Green Wave Podcast. We'll have another one coming up in a couple of days. Everyone take care of themselves. So long, everybody.